Talk Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast where we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 86 was recorded live October 20th, 2011. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson, and some of the stories we're going to have this week is knitting for their lives, a lot to find, it's only an eighth of a mile, and almost raining cats. And uh, Mac is going to be joining us a little bit later, but he's playing hooky for the moment. So until he gets here, or even after he gets here, we have a couple of guests who are going to be helping me out in the show today. We have from New Zealand, Tara Sutherland. How are you doing today, Tara? I'm good, thanks, Darren. How are you doing? Doing great. And we also have Dave Tonneman. How you doing, Dave? Oh, loving it. Loving it if the rain would stop. That's for sure. Uh, for those of you who don't know or listening to this a year from now, we happen to be in the middle of an unusually strong, I don't know, call this a fall storm. It almost reminds me of a tropical depression. I don't know what this came from, but we've had driving rains and winds. We had a, a wind warning until about an hour ago. Winds gusting over 30-some miles an hour and... You know, when you combine that with the rain, it gets wet everywhere. In fact, I'm sitting here in my, my recording bunker, and there's water dripping on the floor. So it's got to stay out of the electric. And then uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get started right on into the news. The first article that we have up on the docket is a follow-up from last week, the boat operator who stranded divers. And surprise, surprise, he's getting some hateful messages. <laughs> you know, you kind of wonder... Uh, why they didn't quite see that happening. Uh, I guess that will happen if you happen to leave a couple divers stranded. Uh, the divers, if you do remember, made it in safely after clinging to a buoy. Uh, the dive operator says, I'm shocked at the animosity and hatred displayed by these people. They end up, ended up having to take their website down as well as their Facebook page. We had to shut down our Facebook page because we couldn't delete the negative comments fast enough. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe you could have just left them. Uh, I have refused to even look at the scuba messaging boards and blogs because I know they're going to be much of the same. And uh, the incident is still being investigated by the Coast Guard. I think the uh, the best line in the whole article was the one man sending an email inquiring whether his wife could be given similar special treatment as he would <laughs> like to leave her clean to a boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's, a, that's a different package, I'm afraid. That, we call that the Chicago package. <laughs> Nice. Anyway, moving right along, yes. it's kind of interesting. Though. <laughs> I've got a list of people I'd like to leave clinging to boys as well. But um, <clears throat> kind of interesting that, um, to like, like looking at it from a social media perspective, people see Facebook and they see Twitter and, and the scuba messaging boards and that sort of thing as the opportunity to put out free advertising. But what they don't like is when their customers or people that use those sites then turn around and give them feedback. Sure, it, it's a terrible, terrible thing that had happened, but it's the company's opportunity to, to perhaps say, look, we made a mistake and maybe then uh, have a bit of communication with the people that use those pages and use those sites um, and rebuild their business. 
by, by not saying anything and by trying to delete the messages, really what they're saying is, well, we're not going to own up to it. Um, obviously, we made a mistake, but we're going to try and cover it up. And then who's going to want to dive with them after that? Well, exactly. What they're going to end up doing is having to change their name and appear that they're a new operation. But this is a perfect opportunity to get a dialogue. Because that's what we, we've all discussed. You know, what is a way to prevent yeah. this from happening? Because you know that they didn't intend to do that. You know, other than complete negligence, they're not going to leave somebody out in the water. But there is a reason to or something to be learned by having, uh, you know, a dialogue. You know, the, somebody out there <laughs> has to have an answer so that this hap- doesn't happen again. Bless you, Dave. <laughs> no, that was, that was Tara. That was Tara. See, we'll blame it on Dave anyway. Yeah, I blame it on Dave. It was not me. It's sunny here. The weather is fantastic and I do not have the sneezes. Besides, mine are a lot more delicate than that. <laughs> and uh, we also have uh, Mac has joined us. How are you doing today, Mac? Well, so far so good. I think I must stay away from Tara, though. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> I'm going to get you, Dave. <laughs> oh, so, uh, Mac, you, you survived the wind? Well, sort of. Uh was out there with the airplane the other day. Guy stopped and inquired how the bird was, and I thought that was really nice of him, since he could obviously see. He said, you checked it out pretty good? And I said, well, so far. And I said, why? He said, oh, you didn't look at the hangers on your backside? So I went around the back, and the whole back end of the hangers had been ripped off. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the airplanes wow. that had been in there were no longer in there. Ooh. Because uh, once they... the air doors went away, the airplanes are not secured by uh, tie downs uh-huh. so they sort of bounced up and down and they ran their wing tips around inside of the building and their tail feathers and they got a little bit wrinkled Ooh, that's not not really what you want to have in a hangar no uh oh. since one of the hangars used to be mine i'm glad i'm not there Ooh. <laughs> but then again i might have got a new paint job <laughs> there's always a, a light side okay well uh the next article we have is a uh and, and this is kind of a follow-up to your story last week, Tara, from the, the New Zealand, uh, and it's not a tanker, but a cargo ship that's hung up on the reef. Uh, knitters are making sweaters for penguins after the spill. Blue penguins in New Zealand are being smoked, uh, soaked with oil <laughs> after they smoked. <laughs> How big was that wine, Darren? <laughs> well, well, you know, you have to... Fill the glass to the top. Um, Not big enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it was a bucket. So <clears throat> this is a, a, what we call um, a really good example of Kiwi ingenuity and how the country just likes to really jump in and try and help yeah. everybody and anything out um, in the event of trouble. So the, the little blue penguins... Um, are quite a are an endangered species, and and the, you know they're they're really popular, and and everybody knows about them and that sort of thing. So this skins knitting shop in Napier, which is probably about a two and a half hour drive from where the oil spill is, um, had put out a call to knitters from around the countryside to make little tiny sweaters for the penguins. Now the penguins are about as big as the palm of your hand. 
And so they're knitting sweaters for these penguins to keep them warm after they've taken them out of the water and washed all of the oil off of them um, and while they take care of them and, and try and nurse them back to health again. So that article's quite cute because it's it's got a few cute photos of penguins <clears throat> in pink and yellow sweaters. <laughs> well, you, you think that if you're making them for penguins, you can kind of use up all that old yarn you have around. My, my favorite is a turtleneck at <laughs> the last one. Dave's just said that he likes the lime with pink stripes. I think he needs a turtleneck as well to stop him from sneezing. Perhaps one that goes all the way up to his nose. That wasn't that wasn't me. Uh -huh. <laughs> you have to wonder though. Do the penguins open the box and see the sweater and think, "Oh, I hope there's a gift receipt." <laughs> yeah. Can we return this? <laughs> oh, I want the pink one. No, I want the pink one. You can have the blue one. It matches your eyes. It is nice to seeing people jumping in to help. That's that's pretty awesome. That is, and and they're yeah. they're saying that they they want even more of the sweaters, uh, and they won't go wasted. You know, if another event happens, then they'll make sure they get to that location. I would have never thought of sweaters for penguins. We think of everything. We're New Zealanders. Um, <laughs> what's actually kind of cool as well is that uh, there was a story on the news uh -oh. the other night about how. It's not actually going to be as big a, of an ecological disaster as what they originally anticipated because the cleanup happened so quickly. There were people on the beaches almost the next day starting to scoop up the oil um, and then companies who knew about collecting the oil got involved. They got people the correct suits, the correct buckets. They started disposing of it um, in, in really good ways. Um, and because that cleanups happened so quickly, uh, things aren't going to be as damaged as what they originally thought. So my company has organised a volunteer day and they're taking eight buses of people down next Wednesday to go and do as much as they can. So everybody's chipping in. It's it's pretty cool. That is That is amazing. So hopefully everything turns out okay. Now, any news on your uh, dive event you had coming up? Is that still going to be held or...? The dive event is still going to be held, so the Oceans Dive Conference and Exhibition is on in Tauranga on the 12th and 13th of November, so just a little under four weeks away. Instead of diving the Astrolab Reef, which we can't do because it's got a very large ship on it, um, we're going to be diving a place called Mare Island, which luckily hasn't been affected. The way that the water runs, the swell has kept the oil away from that particular area, so we'll be able to do some diving. Excellent. Very happy cool. about that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, next one up is divers spend the day cleaning up Beirut, Beirut's, <laughs> Beirut's, <laughs> Beirut's polluted <laughs> coast. God, I think I, I might have to take a break, let you guys continue on. I'll need to refill my glass. I think that's what the problem is. I'm, I'm sorry, Mac, I cut you off. Were you going to say something? Nope. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think I remember reading about that shipwreck there in New Zealand where they uh -huh. already fined and arrested the captain. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The, the captain and the first mate have already appeared in court charged with several uh, naughties. I can't quite remember what you'd call them, but, but charged with several things under the Maritime Transport Act. And it's also come out that that particular ship is just 
in really bad repair and has failed a couple of the checks that it had done not only in New Zealand ports but also before it had left Australia weeks beforehand um, and now they're looking at international shipping as a whole as to why their ships aren't being maintained properly and, and what the rules and that sort of thing are around them so it's it, it's turned into a whole lot more than uh, ship crashes onto reef in New Zealand doing 17 knots at 3am in the morning could have been worse. Oh, oh, it could have been worse, but they broke my reef. They broke it. That that bow crashed into and completely decimated our caves. So we're very upset. I can imagine. Well, maybe <laughs> once they move it away, maybe you'll find more caves that you couldn't find before. I'm hoping that the bow um, actually breaks off and falls over the side and we end up with a nice shipwreck to dive that sits between 80 and and sort of 25 metres, sits in about 80 to 25 metres of water. Our very own President Coolidge. Yeah, maybe a little C4 attached to the bottom at the right side. <laughs> I think she's going to break up all by herself. She's got this massive crack right up the middle. Nice. I don't think it's going to last very long. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, should we try Beirut again? <laughs> we'll, we'll get there, though, to Beirut. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, what were you saying? I was going to say, maybe a big storm will come up there and break that sucker in half so you get part of the wreck anyway. Well, we've had pretty bad weather for the last couple of weeks, and the reason that they haven't been able to transport a lot of the oil from the container ship, this this is the oil that they use for running the engines um, onto the tugboats, is because... The, the boats keep on crashing into the stern of the ship uh, um, and where the oil is is right in the very uh, is right at midships and, and down several layers and you know it's not designed to be pumped out of there it's designed to be fed into the engines so that the, the boat can move um, in, in terms of how much is, is left they've only pumped between around about 15% of it off and that's because of the weather they've been having three to four meter swells and, and really high winds so I just hope they get a lot more of the oil off and then she breaks up and sinks and we can dive her so they just need to get the oil off first then yeah yeah that'd be good do they have any idea how much is left uh, so I was reading today that they think that they've pumped around 150, 160, 170 tons, and at one stage she had 1,700 tons of oil wow. on her, but about 350 to 400 tons had leaked. Wow. Yeah. And it's thick, you know, really thick, goopy oil that needs to be heated. To, to go through the engine, so they actually need to heat it to be able to remove it from the container ship onto um, onto the barges and, and tugs and boats that are going to transport it out of there safely. Oh, wow. So that's not exactly an, mm. an easy thing for them to be able to do. No. No, and in wow. the meantime, they are trying to not get hit by falling containers because the containers are still on the ship. The ship's listing quite badly to starboard. Um, the the waves are moving her around. She's balanced on top of this reef. You know, it's all happening. It's mm. not just one problem, but it's about five or six. How's the weather doing? Is that slowing down at all? The weather forecast for the next four, five, six days is really quite good. Yeah, really wow. good. Well, back wow. to a more wow. up, upbeat story, which I don't <laughs> know if you could ever say that normally about Beirut, <laughs> but uh, divers took part in the <laughs> International Underwater Cleanup Day Sunday gathering about one ton of rubbish from the waters around Beirut. It was a ninth annual event 
uh, sponsored by the Lebanon HSBC Bank and organized globally by Project Aware, International Oceans Group. Uh, and it was to be held by the National Institute of Scuba Diving in Lebanon, which offered participants free use of their equipment for the day. The center carried out 15 dives throughout the day with rotating teams, around 12 to 15 divers each. Three divers towing, uh, three diver, three diving boats ferry divers from the center at the marine in downtown Beirut to different areas off the coast as far as uh, Rochelle, which I'm sure I just slaughtered that name, where the shallow waters are expected or ex- were explored for trash. The purpose of this event was to motivate people who are non-divers into not throwing rubbish into the sea. Wow. Can you like imagine how many divers it took? Go ahead, Mac. Well, I was going to say, I'd like to see pictures of what they found. Uh, they, they said uh, cups and debris from um, the, the landfills they have in the area. But I'm looking at some of the picture or the picture there. It had tires. And the only time I think of tires is, you know, they put them on the side of the boat for fenders and barges and stuff. So I can sort of understand mm-hmm. that. But I'd really like to have seen what, what they got out there, you know, a thousand pounds worth. I like the way he says that they're trying to change the attitude um, of people who live in the area um, to, to the environment that's around them as well, that people think it's okay to keep their homes clean, but when they go outside, they just toss their rubbish wherever they like. I like the idea of starting in the in the area that you live first and with the people that live there as well and teaching them how to respect their environment. I think that's pretty important. But I want to know what this... Um, uh, uh, they said that they found soda cans and one LL1000 note. I'd like to know how much that is. To mention it, it must have been a bit. Must yeah, have been a bit. yeah, I'm not sure. You know, the, you know, is that a Lebanese lira or something? So a, a thousand pound note could be worth maybe a dollar fifty. Um, I'm glad you pronounced that right, Darren. I think maybe we should call this Scuba Obsessed. Tune in to see what Darren pronounces wrong this week. <laughs> Very true. Resemble that remark. Not laughing at you, Darren. We're laughing with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I can feel the love. (laughs) No, but it's nice to see people cleaning up the environment. I think that's great. And that's actually fun. That is actually 66.3 cents. 66 cents? (laughs) U.S. dollars. I I wasn't too far off. You know what that shows and what they mentioned? Uh, not only just people just toss stuff away, but they're they're talking about a serious issue concerning medical waste. They make 11 tons in that country, but they don't have a lot of suitable means to dispose of it. And then they talked about they have landfills, but not always the best, and it finds its way to the sea. I, I'm not quite sure what that means. They probably throw it in the rivers. I, I also noticed they say at last year's event. So is this an annual event? Yes. Oh. Yep, they're they're doing it as an annual event. And I think it's part of the uh, you know the project aware. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to coordinate. Well, project aware does some pretty cool things around the world. We have project aware here and and do a lot of cleanup days um, on the beaches as as well as at the dive sites. So I think project aware do a pretty good job. I wonder if they found any good bottles. They said they found bottles. I don't, it just depends what's good. When you when you think about you know Mac and I have. And even Rich have, have talked about, uh, you know, how long people have been living in the area. And, and even in the article, they say that, you know, you've got a, a thousand years of throwing junk in. There's a lot to be found. If they want to find some pretty good bottles, maybe they should invite Vladimir Putin down. Yes. 
<laughs> Zing, yeah, he, he he has a way of finding those. That's a whole new article. <laughs> and if you wonder what that's about, you're going to have to listen to last week's article, 85. Uh, we can go ahead and cover that one. And then good this to hear. Good go to ahead. Hear. It's just good to hear that uh, people around the world, especially in a country like Beirut, still have the ability to care about their environment with, with all the political turmoil in the area. And I'm just, I'm kind of shocked. I'm, I'm trying to imagine how many divers it took to run 12 to 15 divers per dive, 15 and dives. about 15 dives. Mm. I didn't realize diving was that large in Beirut and be able to get that many volunteers to show up for anything. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. They did an excellent job. What it also shows you, because it, the, the article was, is d- reported around that one particular instructor, is, you know, for, for anything, it really does only take one person to spark the idea, and then it's amazing what one person can do and how much support they can drum up. Well, I'm looking at the next article, and uh, I'm rather intrigued, Darren. Yeah, this one... Uh, we won't read the whole beginning because uh, it's, a, it's a blog post, but head on into our show notes at scubaobsessed.com and you'll be able to follow it along. But uh, the gist of it is somebody talking about all the things that they had done to, uh, like what was happening in Beirut, which was to clean up a beach, and then things have gone bad to where they're no longer allowed to do that. Uh, they're not letting the dive club back on the beach. They're allowed to go in one at a time but they don't want them to come in as a group. Uh, Until recently, we participated in a half-day annual reef cleanup. Members donated boats as dive platforms for the floatsam and jetsam we brought from the shallow reef just off the beach. Old deck chairs, rusted boat motors, pots, pans, glasses, beer bottles, plastic beer rings, assorted small electronics, boat motor covers, and old crab pots were among the junk. And embedded items are left in place as pulling those could destroy the reef. Uh, the plastic beer holders or crab pots washed away from moorings and rough sea to fish to die, removed the ones we could, and opened embedded ones to allow them to escape. We used lift bags for heavy items, wore proper gear, ready signaled the uh, usual, and uh, readily si- signed the usual liability waivers in the unlikely event of an injury, and there never was one. We were there to help, have fun, enjoy a post-dive picnic, proud of our efforts, and help preserve the reef. The 15-foot or so depths barely qualify as a real dive, but safe diving practices are never an option. We are skilled divers and did a community service. Over the years, the club removed many hundreds of pounds of junk from the delicate reef just off the shore. Then came the day when we were turned away at the gate. Previously admitted and directed to the spot where the park rangers would later collect the, the uh, junk, we were hauled to shore. We were denied access. A last-minute decision was made not to admit any group of certified scuba volunteers who were also who weren't also licensed commercial divers. In spite of the fact that most of us had advanced scuba certifications and hundreds of dives, nevertheless attempts to acquire permission based on a demonstrate success and experience were unsuccessful. We had our advocates, but management didn't seem very interested. We were told individual divers could do whatever they wished, but no organized effort would be permitted. So how nuts is this? Where is this at? Florida. Yeah, the, we we did a couple other articles on this, and there's different spots in Florida. It it's it's like all the beaches or something have just gone nuts. Didn't we have an article a couple of months ago uh, in Florida that this group who had been performing this particular service was now you can't do it unless you're a certified commercial diver. Yeah, it was. Uh, there was one of the uh, 
was it Sarasota Springs where they had uh, a lot of stuff that they were able to volunteer and you, you basically had to become a commercial diver to be able to help. Did we ever determine if it was strictly an insurance issue because they thought they'd get sued or something? Well, I don't think we were able to find out, but I'm guessing just by this reaction that this has become common. I wonder if they had a change in senior staff at the uh, DNR down there. Someone who's maybe not of a mindset to have people doing things like this. Well, we have it here. Uh, You cannot, they will not normally use volunteers to go out and help on rescue and recoveries in in our lakes uh, because of the liability aspect. The rescue and recovery is a bit different than cleaning up trash, though, isn't it? Well, recovery is is another item, though. Recovery of a known out there. You're looking for them. You've got lots of lots of lake and a couple of divers. So they would normally say, "Well, we're going to be over here. If you want to go over there and you find something to let us know, that'd be great." But they could not actively say, "Yeah, we could use your help." And it's not. It's not that. I don't know. You sign a waiver, what the heck? Yeah. I'd be willing to bet it's all political. Might might be worth a call down to the uh, to the DNR. Yeah, that'll be interesting to find out. Uh, also, if you happen to read down through the comments, they have a very active uh, chat comments on this. Yeah, I was looking at some of those. Wow. Okay, and then our next one is back on the world records. Uh, free diver Ted Hartley sets a record beyond what most of us could imagine. There's another one we'll paste in the chat rooms for people to follow along. And uh, let's get right down to the meat of it. He swam 170 meters in a pool on a single breath, which is wow. about a tenth of a mile, you know, maybe a quarter kilometer. Well, not a quarter kilometer, 17% of a kilometer. That's amazing when you consider one of the uh, items when I used to be watching for, you know, in diving classes, the shallow water blackout for some of the guys who, who stretch it. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine how you can do that and not be concerned with that. Also, well, I, I don't think it would be quite as hard to do that as it would be if you did 170 meters down and up. Well, he was, if you go through the article, he was talking about what's, this is kind of a way that they train for doing the 170 down and up. And they, they said part of it is actually tougher because in your mind, you know that you can come up to the surface. You can just pop your head up and you can get a breath. So as your body's fighting you saying, stop, give up, uh, you can do it. Where if you're going 170 meters down, you have to come up. And hold your breath. Yeah. I, I cannot I cannot do the free diving stuff. I've tried and wow, yeah. it, it blows my mind they're able to do this. Yeah, the, my my best at free diving might be uh, four meters down and up. <laughs> <laughs> Inclusive both ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe. Wait, huh? I don't know I did I did one free dive once, but that was only because I forgot to turn my air on. Oh yeah, that's that's the rough way. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, uh, and on to the cat. Yeah, yeah. Now it's time for the cat. Nothing like a good cat story. So uh, you know, as it says, if uh, dog bites man, that's not a story, but man bites dog, that is one. Well, we have uh, cat was chased by dog off a quarry cliff in Fife. A uh, young black and white male cat was seen being chased by a lurcher type dog at Prescon Hill Quarry. On Sunday morning, the cat named Cliff, uh, as named by the Scottish SPCA, had no injuries and was landed in the water to quarry. 
Anyone who might be Cliff's owners urged to contact the Scottish SPCA. One of the two men who were scuba diving the quarry said he saw the, clat, the cat being chased off the cliff. He said the water was very deep. He tried to hold on to Cliff to help him out, but the, clat, the cat struggled and managed to get himself out anyway. <laughs> the man who reported the incident said he saw the dog chasing the cat in the quarry where he ran straight into a fence before falling over the edge and landing in the water below. When I picked him up, he was really frightened, a bit disoriented, but lucky he escaped unscathed with no injuries. I want to see the video. As much as cats don't like bathing, and if you had a cat in the water trying to get him out of the water, I hope he had a wetsuit on. Otherwise, his arms would be shredded. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine that? Here, let me help you. <laughs> yeah, but, but skin heals. You have to buy a new wetsuit. <laughs> or a new dry suit. But imagine... If you were scuba diving in the quarry, and then all of a sudden, whilst you had your torch in a hole looking at an eel or something or other, a cat landed on your head, what would you do? I would squeal, like a girl. <laughs> That's easy for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay for me to say it. <laughs> but can you imagine that? If a cat fell off a cliff and landed on you while you were diving. Well, if you had a dry suit, that could easily be a wetsuit. It would quickly, quickly, quickly be a wetsuit. And we're not just talking about the cat's claws. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <Through> that. <laughs> yeah. But we have seen wow. catfish before. Yeah. In the Cooper River. <laughs> got some dogfish out there, too. Yeah. Okay. It's about time to talk about one-eyed sharks Spe- now. Speaking of... Yeah, this is... This I was one I say, speaking of dogfish, that's wild. Yeah, this is a rare cyclops shark found. Uh, the 22-inch... <laughs> or 56-centimeter-long fetus has a single functioning eye in the front of its head. Uh, it is a hallmark of a con- congenital congenital condition called cyclopia, which sounds made up, which occurs in several animal species, including humans. Early this year, uh, the caught they pr- it was caught uh, a pregnant dusky shark near Karevlo Island in the Gulf of Cat- California, where... Leon cut open his catch, found an odd-looking male embryo along with nine normal siblings. He said, that's incredible, wow, uh, was said by biologist Philippe, oh, and I'm not even going there, in La Paz, Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, you're going to have to go and visit the article if you want to see how that's that's pronounced. That is a weird-looking animal, and it almost looks like he has a dive mask on. It does. It's also very albino. Yeah, well, it was a fetus, it's, so... Well, he wasn't getting a lot of sunshine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, they don't usually tan too often. Uh, but they they assume that they can live in the wild, but they've never actually caught one live. There's been a few times where they've had the fetus that they've caught. But, yeah, just bizarre looking. Did Looking at that one, did you look at the photo to the right-hand side, the transparent-headed fish, talking about weird things? That's Take a look at that. Well, I'm going to have to take a look at that one. There was one of them I was on here before, and they had all the ah, oh, the yeah, the transparent headed fish. That is a bizarre one. Wow. Yeah. Uh, when like, I looked at this, like ghost shrimp. <laughs> yeah. When I looked at this earlier in the week, they had uh, like ten or twelve of the the weirdest looking fish of all time, and that was an interesting one to go through. But yeah, transparent. That would uh, yeah, that's that's a little odd looking. It's actually sort of pretty in the front. You know, the the face and the nose almost looks like a dolphin. Did yep. you look at that? The colors almost look like a Napoleon race as well. Hmm. Has, to be, has to be a reason why it's transparent like that. Now, what are the green things behind the eyeballs back in the back? 
you see them on both sides look like half shell the article says that they are barrel like eyes topped by green orb like lenses oh that's cool looking the shark is freaky this is cool <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they said this was this particular sample was found in 2004 off California's central coast by the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute. It is the first specimen of its kind to be found with its soft, transparent dome intact. Well, the, I'm going to sidetrack you again. Looking at that fish, look straight up, and you got four pictures on top. Mm-hmm. And then you take a look at that. It looks like a string of something. Take a look at that. That is the food source for the barrel eye. 33 feet long. Wow. About 10 meters. Almost the size of the giant, uh, the size of the giant salps that we're starting to see in the water now. Um, the salps come through in, in spring and they form together into these huge colonies. Um, and some of them end up being six or seven meters long with a circumference that you could put your head through. How do you pronounce that word? Siphonophore? Because uh, it looks like siphon fours. Siphonophores? Siphonophores. Siphonophores. Yeah. Easier than Tara. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually maybe I need to increase the size, increase need the to... length of my name. Yeah. Yeah. Throw a little Latin in there. <laughs> maybe some Spanish just for you, Darren. Yeah. <clears throat> Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. I do real well with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm only do well if I have some tequila that goes with it. <laughs> You know, your next story kind of reminds me of uh, Rich attacking me in the Cooper River and wanting to hit him with my river tool. Not one of you. Yeah, and I and I probably posted the wrong one here. Let me give you an, a better link to it. This one is on a man was bitten by a shark. Oh, let's see here. If he'd been on my leg for 20 minutes, that'd have been a little bit. I don't know. Is that how long he was on there? It says yeah. Andrew Houston had been scuba diving at Elwood for more than an hour when a meter-long Port Jackson shark attached itself to the right calf at about 4 p.m. Yeah. The uh, Malvern Eastern man wrestled the shark for about 10 minutes in the water, but it would not let go. A passerby helped him the shore when he battled for another 10 minutes to get rid of the shark. <laughs> when it first bit me, I freaked out, the 49-year-old said. Someone got me a spanner because I just couldn't get it to let go. The shark eventually gave in, and Mr. Houston threw it back in the water. He was a nice guy because I don't think I'd have been that nice to him. I don't think it'd have been any shape to get thrown back in the water, other than I'd bait after. Death on a spanner wrench. Yeah. Now, a spanner is that uh, just like a regular wrench, or is that a? That's a British wrench. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've heard them call it spanner. I didn't know if there was some technical term for it or if it's just what they call it. Wow. I, I can you imagine twenty minutes with a shark attached to your leg? Not. <laughs> no. Say dive knife. The thing is, like, so these the Port Jackson sharks are really common in in Australia, and every now and again there's a report of them coming to New Zealand as well. But they eat mollusks and um, the the bottom feeders. They don't really have too many teeth. They mainly have this great big plate that they use to to crush things. So it was probably more like being gummed to death than than actually having. <laughs> <laughs> some teeth hooked into your calf muscle. Makes me feel a whole lot better. Oh, good. By a shark. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I've got a link that I'm I'm posted. It might be too big. 
nice picture. <laughs> but this but this one shows what uh, Tara's talking about, which it does basically Puppy. look like you would be gummed to death. <laughs> that one actually looks like an old man, doesn't it? I just posted a shorter link in the uh, chat room that if you scroll down a little bit, you see that picture. That is kind of wild. That's an ugly shark. Looks like my granddad. <laughs> I hope he's not listening. Yeah, I think I would. Uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure he's not listening. <laughs> uh, this next one is forget about the gold in them there hills or some treasure. So this is trinket diving. And what I liked about this one, Mac, is they must have vastly different rules in these locations than what we have. You're out in the, you're out in the ocean, 10 miles out. Ain't no rules. <laughs> okay, so it's like the, the pirates of the sea then. You get to do whatever you want. Pretty much. Wow. You can't say everything of historical interest is all I got to say. There's yeah. thousands of ships out there. Yeah. So in Maryland, they're saying that if you want to go hunt for treasure, there are local wrecks from 250 years old to steel tankers less than five years old. Many have been picked over, but he says there still have some items left to find. Some of the older wrecks have large amount of silt, silt on them, so they get passed over. On the so-called bottle wreck 25 miles south of Ocean City, divers fang them bottom to remove accumulated silt, recently found coins, clay pipes, and pottery. Uh, then in North Carolina, they have a World War II sub that sank just uh, south of Cape Hatteras. It is still considered government property, so taking artifacts is prohibited. Less than a mile away, though, divers can explore the Proteus, an ocean liner that sank in 1918. People originally dove it for the lead-glassed windows, although they are rare now. People still come and go with dishes and silverware from it. Southern Carolina, uh, where the water temperature is a little bit norther, several wrecks are in shallow water. Uh, uh, for beginners, the Sebastian a 200-foot-long Civil War blockade runner that's been known to cough up buttons, bottles, and belt buckles. And then Florida, they said, if you're in search of genuine treasure, best to sign on with a company that knows where all the goods are. And that's where they're talking about Mel Fisher's treasure. Now, Florida's one where they, they tend to be a little sticky. So uh, before you go out there and grab any articles, make sure you know the local laws where you're diving. That's no fun uh, to have everything confiscated and spend a little time in jail with a fine. Yeah, just don't tell anybody you found it. Yeah. You know what I find interesting? Look at the picture. The diver, is he using a necklace to hold his alternate air? It, it does look... It, yep, yep. That's does, quite common. We use those a lot here as well. Yeah, but it, I, I can't tell if that's bungee or is it like, you know, it is Mel Fisher's area. Is no, it like a gold so, necklace? So, He's got a. He's wearing a long hose um, as his primary. So what he would do is he would take the long hose from his mouth, wind it around the back of his head, and donate it. It's on about a two meter hose, and then bite down um, on the alternate air source that's on the bungee around his neck. I guess it is. I was pointing out. It, I guess it is bungee. I see it now where it's curled. At first, I thought it was like a necklace. Yeah, I think it's just the type of bungee they made it with. You know how sometimes yeah. you get that bungee cord that's got that leopard pattern, but it does kind of look like it's a beaded thing, which, uh, you know, it almost looks like it's cable tied onto the, to the mouthpiece on the regulator. Yeah. I would like to find out where he got the skull and crossbones cover for his, uh, regulator. I was going to mention that. That's pretty cool. I like that. Um, scuba pros doing them for the A series and you can also get them from another company that sells a lot of dive gear online. Who I don't support. New Zealanders support your local, friendly neighborhood dive shop. 
Hey, Darren, did you notice the uh, ping pong paddle to his left wrist? Yes, for the nice fanning. fanning. Yep, nice fanning tool. Yep. Yeah, but he's, he's got a few uh, gold bars there, so he doesn't really care. Does that work where you guys dive? I mean, you fan, you can't see it anyway, right? Oh, in the river you can. If you got a nice little current, it'll carry it away from you. Oh, yeah, that's one of the great things about river diving. You clean up all the crap you stir up. Yeah, just don't be behind somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that's why I always head upstream. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to mention two guys I got stuck behind on the uh, barges on Sunday. <laughs> wasn't me. I saw no humans well, That's at pretty all. cool. Yeah, that is neat. So uh, I, I just really thought it was interesting because, uh, you know, for us, you know, you you want to spend some time in the pokey is, uh, and that's jail, by the way, uh, is, is take stuff off a, a wreck in the Great Lakes. Yeah. Did you gather that part that you can uh, dive with uh, Mel Fisher's group for 2500 bucks? Yeah, they've been offering that for a while. Uh, Not for a long, long time, many, many years. Yeah. And what you do is you basically buy a share for the discoveries of that week. And uh, they'll, depending on what your share ends up being, you may get to keep what you found. Yeah, his grandson was at Scuba Fest here in uh, Columbus, Ohio last year, and he was walking around with a small pelican case valued at about $10 million. Yeah, yeah <laughs> one, of, one of the guys is part of that Mel Fisher's organization is actually from uh, Bering Springs here. Uh, uh, my insurance agent for years uh, used to have uh, gold from the wreck sitting on his uh, desk and in cabinets that he had earned as investing in his son's business. So uh, he was one of the early ones who actually did quite well. Nice. And this last one is uh, Jeff and Chris Farnelia, Marshfield, push for stronger boating and safety laws in a state that is long overdue. And this is one we've talked about many times, and it's an, uh, le- uh, it's an editorial and this gentleman talks about with over 30 years of teaching scuba diving and managing North Atlantic scuba in Marshville, they've been blessed to count to spend countless hours on and in and under boats of all description sizes heading in every direction, engaged in fishing, diving, water skiing, and hoping, and just plain boating. As divers required by state law to fly the diver's flag, the red flag with a down-running white stripe to tell boaters to proceed at caution when inside the flag. They also expect to operate a flag of less than three knots. Uh, excuse me. They are expected to operate a speed of less than three knots within 100 feet of the diver's flag. Over 30 years, we have seen boaters actually pull a diver up from the water by his flag numerous times. We've seen a diver's flag used as a pylon in water skiing numerous times. We've seen a flag run over, cut up, and even get fouled by a passing boat's propeller. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to get uh, awareness and some laws changed. What kind of law is going to prevent that? Well, I, I don't have any idea. Well, what, I think what they're they're pitching for is to require a license for operating a boat. So it would be know. like a motor vehicle where you have to pass a test. And in the test, that would be some of the questions. It's all very well for there to be a, a license and for there to be a test, but until there's consequence for this sort of thing happening, it will continue to happen. Um, we have we've got situations here. Um, our flag's flag is slightly different. We call it the alpha flag, and it's blue and white. It's got a little swallowtail cut out of the middle of it. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, yeah. but um, the the rules on on passing the dive flag are pretty much the same here. However, 
a lot of boaties don't pay any attention to it. Now, until somebody does something to those boaties and makes them pay a fine or, or whatever else, they're just going to continue to do it. Well, what I think is interesting is this is Massachusetts. That's the first I've heard of this kind of an incident coming out of Massachusetts. Really common in Florida. I think this is common all over. A couple weeks ago, right, Darren? One with the sailboat coming down. Yeah, that was the one where we had the video where they were the sailboat was motoring and went over them a couple times. At Blue Heron Bridge. Yeah. So yeah, this is yeah, and and Tara's right. You know, they have to be some sort of penalties to get any of these behaviors to change. Uh, In Michigan, one thing that they've done, which has helped boating in general, is just the zero tolerance for uh, driving and drinking on a boat. It used to be that, gosh, some of the most drunk people would be on a boat and they'd be out there. Uh, So they're starting to crack down on that. And they've always been sticklers for safety. Uh, You know, they'll do stop and do checks for uh, life jackets and and safety gear. So that'd be nice. We noticed last year that the... uh the local marine division enhanced or had a, an, an enhanced uh, enforcement of the rules over at um, Ross Park, or I should say Gull Lake. Ah, uh, yeah. Now that was the one where people were getting upset because uh, they had the divers off the dock, and they had right. the uh, which basically said they couldn't come inshore. Right. Blocked them off. Yeah. So you had a fishing tournament going on, and people couldn't get into the turn in their catch. So. Yeah, legal or not, I'm sure there's a few people who are looking for people with diver flags on their license plates after that happened. And we've also had that when we had the ecology dive, we've always made notice, uh, you know, put the the flags out in the stickers, uh, the pamphlets by all the accesses to refresh people's mind of what that flag is. It's not a turning buoy flag or anything like that. And then we've always had the Marine Division there available to enforce that, which is not like you said. If there's no repercussions, they're going to ignore it. You got a cop boat out there. Hey, it's just like stopping at a stop sign. Maybe I will since he's out there and might see me. Exactly. So that does it for the news. Uh, now, Mac, we didn't get a chance to hear from you last week on your diving. What was your take on Cooper River? Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go back. Um, lessons learned, and that's, that's primary number one. Uh, I will not get stuff like I did this year. I did weigh my stuff. I had 52 pounds worth of fossils. Wow. Nice. I have 52 pounds of things that are hard as rocks, look like rocks, heavy as rocks. I have no clue what most of them are. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think I if I... Go ahead. I said, since you did ask, though, I will, will note that I have... Uh, contacted a local paleontologist and I have uh, asked him if he would be interested in looking at what we found and that when I say what we I that includes you okay uh, because I'd be interested and if nothing else I'd be interested in does he have some good books for that now yeah. his primary interest is mammoths and stuff in this area but he does like other fossils so I'm hoping he'll uh, respond to it and then we can actually have some qualified person look at it and tell us what we got or don't have. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting just to have them take a look and see if there's anything. Yeah, you because know, like we had the uh, whale vertebrae and, uh, you know, the e- the ears from whales and manatees, we had found some of those. And the tusk and, uh, and the uh, petrified coral. Oh, you had petrified not, coral? Not coral, but uh, what was it? Ivory. 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 
Yeah. So I'd love to, you know, get a definitive, this is what this is type, not this is what I think it is. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Well, if, if he if he uh, volunteers to take a look at it and he might want to look at the other people's, uh, I was going to mention it. If, if that's true, we might make arrangements to take a look at your stuff also. Mm -hmm. I will probably yeah, I... use your picture. Matter of fact, I may have used your picture already uh, that was on the bed and stuff, bedspread. And the red, I don't know whose the red one was. That was mine. Okay, I use that one too uh, to give him a variety of things to look at. So that that's going to be interesting. It was funny, though, to come back, read an article in the paper on a guy talking about fossils when we got back. So yeah. I'm hoping that sparks his interest. Yeah, I mean, how yeah. heck, you didn't have to go looking for it. We found them for him. So I got to know, Mac, you, you are the muck diver. What did you think of the last dive of the, of the weekend? Okay. Number three dive sort of sucked. <laughs> that was with a high current. I've got my hook in that bottom, and I'm being drugged for the whole freaking dive. <laughs> and my visibility was about a foot. The I like the barge part. I like that area. Even though the viz wasn't great, you're talking maybe a foot max with your light on that had to be bright as the sun. Uh, I like that one. That was the third. No, that was the First and the and the, the fifth. Uh, fifth and the fifth. The sixth dive wasn't too bad because it was actually relatively shallow compared to the other ones, and I had I actually had visibility. Uh, dive number four was the one I think I had about an inch. Remember that one? That's the one where he said, and if you get caught in the mud flat, go up as far as you can, take your fins off to beat the uh, alligators away with. That one. Oh, that was that was that was a uh, dive three when he said that. Okay, yeah, I, had it, hook. I wasn't going to use my fans, man. I had my hook ready. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody got blown away on that one. Yeah, that, now the fourth one was the one where we actually had daylight, where we had uh, we were only in about 29 feet of water, and you could actually see without a light. Yeah, but I didn't see any gravel. Oh, I came across pockets, but they weren't big. And that's the one yeah, where that's, I found the jelly jar. Yeah, now, and that's, that's the one where... We had all the, the, uh, the, the shells, a lot of uh, clam shells. Yeah, yeah. 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 Darn clam shells. Yeah, the ones that look like teeth until you pull them up. Yeah. Yeah. You'd see that little white edge, and you're like, ah, I found one. And then, uh, yeah, that's the one that Rich almost got my river tool on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but back to Dave's question that sixth dive, <laughs> what, what was your rating of visibility on that one? We had visibility. <laughs> yeah. You could put your light right by your, by your eyeball and your whatever compass or whatever you want to look at, and you couldn't read it. It was a strictly braille. Well, that was one of those where I was determined I was not going to be the first one to call it quits and wimp out. So. Uh, well, that's when I found a weight belt on too. Yeah, you did find a weight yeah. belt. <laughs> How'd that turn out? Did you get, did it uh, clean up? Uh, the belt didn't do too bad. I, I like the pockets or you know the little packets of lead. Those cleaned up real good. But it's amazing how much mud was in that belt. It was a soft belt. And uh, how many times I had to wash those pouches to get all the fine silt out. Any idea on an age? How long do you think that had been down there? Uh, the buckle itself had some barnacles and stuff on the inside and the back. I was able to scrape them all off, but it's somewhat odiferous. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Vinegar so is your friend. Yeah, the lead pouches, I, I can, I've already started using that for other little items. But again, I think my lessons learned is, number one, have a canister light, preferably uh, HID. I, I will try to get something with high-intensity LEDs this time, next time. Uh, the other one is I put bifocal lenses in mine. Well, with low visibility, they'd make a darn bit of difference. But I think having a good prescription mask would have facilitated my grubbing a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I was having the same 
problem. I'd have been better not wearing my contacts and just going without because you are in very close, you know, three to six inches from your mask most of the time. Right. And I would prefer doing four dives by the barge as opposed to doing four bar, uh, four dives elsewhere. You know, I'd, I'd like to stay with a known. Yeah, I, I think part of that is, you know, they're looking for the, you know, especially with uh, Dave and Bill. You know, they're they're not Dave and Bill. I'm sorry, uh, Rich and Bill. You know, being the experienced divers, you know, they're looking for the, you know, they've got a good collection of the moderate sized teeth. So they're looking for the giant ones, which you almost have to get, you know, in the areas where you might get skunked to find those. When you went off the boat, I found a lot of clay, clay balls, clay banks, and a lot of marl. I didn't find a lot of sand, a lot of shrimp and a lot of crab. Yeah. Yeah. I found a catfish. Oh, yeah. I've been telling about that one. Big cat. Or or did he find you? Well, yeah, probably. He found me. I think it was in front of you wondering, which is bigger, my mouth or that body? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what went through my mind. Yeah, but the, but the kind of the overall moral of the story is find the gravel and stay on it. Absolutely. If you and find gravel, always... don't leave don't leave it unless you've completely scoured that pocket because you might not find it anymore again. Right. And the and gravel is always to the left. And it's always left. Yeah. Yeah, until you're crawling up in the bank and out of the water. Great Overall, I enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun. Good people to dive with. Made a difference. And the weather was great. So have you gotten any dive again since then, Mac? Uh, No, I went to Carolina and did some other stuff up there. So I took the weekend off when I got home, as I should have, and do other things around the house. Yeah, I didn't get that uh, the ice shanty back. I'm going to refurb it a little bit and try to get me a trailer so we can start getting back out to the river. That sounds good. Now, uh, Dave, did you have you gotten any diving in other than pool work? Uh, believe it or not, I haven't even been in the pool. Last Uh-oh. weekend, uh, we had uh, a paintball weekend. Our shop also does paintball, so that kind of got in the way. But uh, I'm, I hate to say it, my gear is starting to rot. Oh, no. Now, Tara, you're going to have to save us. Somebody's got to have gone diving. Did you get anything in last weekend? I certainly did. I spent the entire weekend out on the boat in the marine reserve on a liverboard, and I did five out of about seven possible dives. Excellent. So, yeah, I did, actually. It was fantastic. Um, spring is in the water here, and there are nerdy brunks everywhere, oh. egg rosettes, bluebell tourniquets, lots of stingrays, fish cleaning themselves all over the rocks. It's stunning. Um, quite pleased with my photographs. And to top it all off, I did a wreck dive on the way back into the marina. Um, one of the old New Zealand Navy ships that was scuttled on purpose. And it was eerie and it was dark and it was mysterious and it was fabulous. So, yeah, my oh. gear's not wet. Oh. <laughs> nice. Now, now, you dive in with doubles? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I, I thought I had, uh, saw that you were diving with doubles. So, excellent, mm. excellent. Glad yes, somebody Dave got wet. Rubbing it in, and I'm repaying Dave for his sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't me. So excellent, excellent. <laughs> so uh, they can head over to your website and see some examples of your photography. And what's that website again? Absolutely. Head over to www.divemistress.net, click on the photo gallery, and it will take you through to some photographs that I've taken. And I am about to upload a trip report from last weekend's diving. So there'll be some new articles up there 
shortly. Excellent. So anybody have any dives planned for the next week? I'm I'm looking and I was out peering at Lake Michigan today and the waves were six feet plus. Well, and last there were 19 up to 20 foot registered in Chicago. Yeah. And and they they were probably much bigger than six feet, but uh, you know when you can see them from the bluff a hundred feet up, they uh, yeah you know they're pretty big. So I'm going well, no, again this weekend. Ah, oh, rub it in. <laughs> well, the Rugby World Cup final is on on Sunday, and so my plan, my master plan, is I'm going to take some new divers out to a spot that I know and we're going to go and get some scallops and I'm going to take my 10% instructor's fee and um, they're going to be all ready for me to eat on Sunday while I watch, watch the rugby. Nice. I love scallops. That's all there is, right? Any seafood. If it, swims, if it swims, it's it's edible. <laughs> <laughs> I would be very tempted to go ahead and get shrimp next year. Just put my, my, my net bag out there to my left let all those guys that were banging into my head just go into my net bag. Yeah, all, you, go, all you, ghost shrimp. Yeah, all those ghost shrimp. If you if you attack me, you're done. <laughs> I think I stunned them though. They would they would bounce off my head, and I'd see them kind of dazed, bobbling around in the bottom. I was surprised how big they were. I wonder how they taste after you cook them. Very good, I imagine. It's shrimp, <laughs> probably so. Well, I, I will be getting wet this week. I know, I know at least uh, I've got a pool night Monday night, and then uh, we're going to do one last open water class this week with two guys. So I'll be in water for at least four dives. Excellent. Oh. And then the following weekend, I'll be doing underwater pumpkin carving with Rich at White Star Quarry. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That looked interesting. Very it, uh, cool. Should be. Yeah, my, my gear might completely dry out by then. Oh no! That that put it in a tub. Yeah. Save it. Save your gear. Yeah. Throw it in well, a tub. At least I've dove every month so far. So here we are in October. November we know we'll at least get a turkey dive, and December I'm 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 good for something. But yeah, we're getting that time of year where I don't get a dive in every week, but I get one at least one or two a month. Oh gosh, it's hard to believe it's that time of year already. Need to finish the uh, pursuit of the dry suit. Yeah, I I talked to Jim. He's uh. He's still got to get rings on his dry suit, but uh, we'll, we'll have to get it up and out. And then, as Mac was talking about earlier, he's going to get the ice shanty all taken care of, which is the only way you can dive in a wetsuit this time of year is with that ice shanty working, keeping you warm. What are the temps up there in your areas? What, uh, what air temp? No, the water temps. What, what, are your, what is your water? You're, you're, you're a little north of me. Yeah, we haven't been in the water since uh, Cooper River, so it was... It was actually fairly warm beforehand, which was probably, what, 60s, Mac, wouldn't you say, in no, the river? At 65, last time they checked the wreck, uh, we had no thermocline all the way down. And then two days later, it was 65 on the surface and 38 or 39 at the same spot. Yeah, I think I'm going to pull up the uh, the wreck now and see what that's uh, reporting. Well, all I'm hearing is dry suit. I, I don't have the stones you have. I cannot I cannot go oh, wet in that on. kind of water. Of course, if I, no, if, I had a, if I had a dry suit, I wouldn't either, but... I probably would have prior to my dry suit days, but eh, not so much anymore. Yeah, right now... Dry suit diving makes you soft, I think. Um, you said it's about 60 degrees Fahrenheit. 
which is about 17 degrees Celsius, which is the water temperature here at the moment. And on the weekend, I had four layers under my dry suit, a beanie and a hood and my gloves. At what? And I'm still cold. At what? Uh, seven. What's that? She said about, about about sixty, and that's when I that's when I go dry. Now sixty is almost ideal for wetsuit. No, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, thirty degrees. That's where that's wetsuit temperature. I don't know. I got overheated there in the in the river there. I think it was what seventy something degrees. Oh yeah, that's that's a roaster otherwise. Oh man. Well, you Mac, guys I'm, need to be in dry suits. <laughs> yeah, Mac, I'm, I'm pulling up the buoy, and my guess is they've got it out of the water. I'm looking right oh. now, and it says the air temperature is 49 degrees Fahrenheit, and the water temperature is 55 all the way to the bottom. Is that possible? Yeah, yeah. Just with all the churning we got right now? Yeah, with that churning, um, I, I want to get out there and try to get a flight down the beach to see if it kicked up any wood yeah. on the beaches. Uh, where I've seen it before. I'm going to go back there and see if I can find any more. Yeah, it, it's saying right now that uh, the significant wave height is 10 feet. Okay, Bridgman. Yeah, and the period between waves is 6.8 seconds, which is actually kind of long, but I think it's just because of how rough it is. Yeah. Well, I'll do the beach tour. Maybe I'll see some of those bodies wash up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's three I know of from South Haven down to uh, New Buffalo. There's three of them. They're all coming from Chicago. I don't know how you can be in a kayak with gear on and a vest, get tossed over, and then slip out of your vest. Well, that means means you didn't have the vest on. Absolutely. (sighs) Okay. Well, we'll have to get some dives in. Plus, we have a couple listeners who sound like they want to dive with us for a turkey dive. So we might have some people drop in. The river there, uh, if the weather is bad or the lake, like right now, you do not want to go there. Uh, The influx have been upriver. All the uh, leaves and stuff are really... It's really mucky out there now. I mean, the guys are not even fishing. The river is so kicked up. Uh-huh. So like that, we'll probably go alternate like we did last year and go down to the uh, the Niles area. Yeah. Which, that'd be really nice. But we'll post it. All they got to do is let us know they're going to be there, so we'll tell them where to go if we change. Yeah. Well, I, will plan, I will have to plan on coming up there for the turkey dive. Yep, that's that Thanksgiving weekend on the Saturday. So it's an excellent, it's been a great dive. It's, it's one of those where that's kind of the, the transition point for those who decide they can't do the cold water. That's usually about the last one for our fair weather divers. My dry suit should be back with new boots by then. So, uh, I'll be good. Yep. Yeah. But right this week, even if it does settle down, it's going to be like swimming in chocolate milk. Yep. About like the last dive at uh, the Cooper river. Yeah. Well, that, that was more like swimming in, like, oatmeal. That's just what that felt with me with all the flock coming through. But, uh, well, at least warm oatmeal. Well, yeah, it was warm. Yeah, it was nice and warm. So, okay. So uh, make sure everybody heads on over to the Facebook site, which is uh, Facebook forward slash Scuba Obsessed. Also, we have the Scuba Obsessed website and the Mud Club, which is mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. Uh, you can follow uh, the Scuba Obsessed on Twitter. And also anybody on the Google Plus can follow me. I have my account over there as well, which is Darren Jilson, D-A-R-R-I-N-J-I-L-L-S-O-N, and look me up there. Uh, and also uh, you can listen to us on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you don't, if you download it a lot and then you're not keeping up on it, sometimes iTunes will unsubscribe you, so make sure you say subscribed in there. And we're now listed on 
the Stitcher Radio, Stitcher Smart Radio. Uh, you can go to www.stitcher.com forward slash scuba, and you can click in. And there's also, if you go in that way or click in the Stitcher from our website, you can be entered in to win a gift card. So uh, go ahead and do that as well. Anybody have anything else they want to plug before we get to the bad scuba joke? I've got a joke. I think it's Uh-oh. time for a female's perspective. Oh, sure. So something for the ladies. If no one's got anything else they want to plug, of course. No, no, go ahead. Okay, so here we go. So a dive boat runs into a terrible storm. The boat's getting pounded by the rain and the wind and, and huge waves, and the divers are really quiet, and they're really quite scared. They think that the boat's going to sink, and they think that they're all going to die. At the height of the storm, one of the young women jumps up and yells, I can't take this anymore. I can't just sit here and drown like an animal. If I'm going to die, let me die feeling like a woman. Is there anyone here man enough to make me feel like a woman? One of the dive masters stands up. He's pretty tall. He's handsome. He's muscular. He smiles and he starts to walk towards her. As he approaches her, he takes off his shirt. She sees his huge muscles. She's glad for her decision. He stands in front of her. Muscles bulging, shirt in hand, and says, Here, I am this. That that uh, certainly qualifies a, yeah, that does. the bad scuba joke round. That, 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 is, that is a qualifying joke. Very nice job. Thank you, Tara. Well, I have been listening for several weeks, and I do understand what the quality of the jokes around here is like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't want to aim too high. <laughs> but, the jokes, but the jokes do not fall that close to reality. Oh. 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 I think oh, we're gonna have right. to hurt. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, let's uh, we'll we'll go ahead and end it. So, <laughs> and, and, until next time, uh, go out there and get wet and stay safe. it so thank you dave and tara and mac and everybody for showing up that was great thanks guys i appreciate I like it joke. i like that joke i love the guest joke that was awesome off the cuff yes, boom exactly. there you go yeah any anytime it saves me i can i i could say this bad joke for next time sometimes they need to ferment a little bit to really ripen properly I think she had that one planned out for her, so. <laughs> you think we're set up? <laughs> Just a little bit. That's too good. I caught it right <laughs> in the middle, though. I was, I was writing a note on uh, Skype, and I was like, ah, iron this. <laughs> yeah. I actually ruined my post. <laughs> Brilliant. <sighs> good Brilliant. Well, that was fun. And it sounds like you've got a uh, good listener out there, local to me. Yeah, it's a, isn't that how, how? What are the odds of that, Lisa? That's so. that's pretty cool. And she said she's going to stop in. Uh, evidently, her and her husband work out. Excuse me, at the YMCA, we actually used a pool for our classes. So, looks like I'll get to meet her and uh, force her to more scuba obsessed and some of the other podcasts. Excellent. So, corrupting people one download at a time. Nice. <laughs> okay. That is your new handle. You you need to work that in somehow. Yeah. <laughs>
I think I've got that on one of my posts. I've posted the show on so many different sites. It's got to be out there somewhere. Well, you know, one thing that uh, came out of Rich's recording, um, the backpack. We'll have to remember that for the next uh, time we all get together. I don't know back- if you caught that. Backpack. That was a drink that he had in the Bahamas. It was basically a little of every rum they had in the house in one glass. Hmm, that doesn't sound too bad, actually. We call that rocket fuel, and generally teenagers drink it. See, when when you're in college, they call that a trash can party. And what that is, you take a trash can, you line it with a trash bag, and then everybody brings a fifth of whatever they, is the cheapest at the liquor store, and then they just pour it in the barrel. Oh, I thought the trash can in the bag was for what happened afterwards, after they <laughs> well, consumed all of it. <laughs> they can make another use. Yeah, we recycle. <laughs> well, no, that's what behind the couch is for. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Hey, Darren, did, did you take note of the uh, special guest that uh, was on Rich's show? Uh, no, which one was that? Evidently, we got Bill in to uh, listen oh, yeah. to a podcast. Yeah, we saw Bill there. Yeah, that was uh, excellent. So it sounded like he was taking, uh, uh, he was disagreeing a little bit with a comment that he was guarding his gravel patch. <laughs> but I think he was disagreeing in jest. He was yeah. being very, yeah. very jovial about it. Yeah, and, and, and Mac, he's one who, he he really wants to go diving with us. So next time that we go diving we need to let them know i'm all for it yep i just got to find me a two-wheel cart to tote that little uh shanty around in great guy and uh pretty good diver oh certainly yeah it's it's nice when you find somebody who doesn't mind the low visibility you're all set yeah you couldn't I, mind low visibility or you're screwed i will say that uh, the group we had in that cooper river dive was probably one in a million. Oh, yeah i i mean i'm sure captain tom seemed Groups like that, but you know, for uh, just a random group or a dive shop putting something together, it's unusual to have uh, that many experienced divers. Yeah, I know Rich really enjoyed it because he didn't have to hold anybody's hand, and and that's one bane of doing those kind of trips from a shop is typically you don't get to dive what you want to dive because you're stuck holding hands, and he was just able to just dive his ass off. Yeah. Maybe we should have had him hold our hand, Mac, until we found a nice four-inch tooth. Well, I didn't. I don't need the handhold, and just put me in the gravel. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's to the left. To the the left. gravel is to the left. <laughs> just keep swimming. 